Hello. Okay. So who's excited about our for our health and wellness panel? Woo. All right. So um, I, for those of you who don't know me, uh, this uh, panel is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I had struggled with infertility for over a decade. And then after 14 years of marriage, we were blessed with our son, Liam, who is now three and a half years old. Um, and through that journey, I learned so much about myself, my resilience, uh, my faith, for sure, and then my relationship with my partner. Um, so unless you've been through infertility or know someone close or have somebody close that has gone through infertility, um, it's difficult to understand the emotional, the physical, and the financial toll it has on families. And I say families because it's not only the woman who is undergoing the treatment, but it's also the partner, her husband, um, that is her support. Um, so when somebody brought the suggestion of a fertility panel, Nicole and I were like pretty, really excited. Um, for the, the women that are currently struggling with fertility now, but also because one day you'll come across a person who is going through this struggle, um, infertility struggle. And you can be, a, uh, you'll have gained a better understanding of the process. You can be a light to them, a friend, um, just knowing what the process is about. And um, it's also like I feel the health and wellness, it's also like about moms taking care of themselves. Because if you're like me, I'm like very low on the totem pole. It is like my child, my husband, right? And then maybe the household. Well, there's like my family, then the household, then there's friends, and then I'm at the very bottom. So I know you guys all know what that means. Um, and I know Nicole has um, some words to say about like why this is so important for her too. Thank you. Um, same, I, I'm really into health as well, but that didn't really happen for me until after um, probably my first pregnancy, even like into my second one, I was like a good eater and things like that. But just as far as my lifestyle and the things I was using around my household and things like that, and that really opened up my eyes. And so for, for me, this panel is important for that reason, as well as my fertility journey is, I didn't have like a fertility struggle, but I did have a miscarriage in between the two of my, my children. So Again, like Lou said, like just to have the support and talk and listen to, you know, a panel of women that they all each have an individual story, but they also um, have, you know, fertility struggles as well. And so that's what we're going to go ahead and introduce them now. Um, I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourself and if you can let us know how many children you have and, um, and then why health is so important to you. And Barry, you can go ahead and start first. Okay, good morning. So I sit at the strength table. Um, I have six kids, uh, four here on earth and two in heaven that I lost um, five days after they were born. Um, and fertility and just overall wellness is really important to me because I had um, a fertility struggle myself. It took me years to get pregnant and then even longer to stay pregnant and then longer to bring a living baby home. Um, and so during that time, my life really changed and I became more aware of the things that were in my body and around my body and just the toxins that were kind of lurking everywhere. And so I made it my life mission to be as knowledgeable as I could so that I could help myself and set my kids up for success so that they wouldn't have to walk in the same 
footsteps that I did and then help others. Hello, my name's Nikki Como. Um, I was invited here. I know Andrea personally, uh, first met her um, at work, but um, I just want to back up and before I introduce myself, that scripture about to not be anxious in anything but pray and everything. Um, I come from a surgical background. I was in neuro and trauma as a surgical tech uh, before I learned anything about infertility. I knew that I was going to have a hard time because I was told at an early age I have endometriosis. And, um, but in the surgical world, it's all about treatment, process. You know, here's your pathology. What are we going to do to heal that? And um, one thing I always have to back up as I'm in the OR, because now I'm back into um, neurosurgery, is that, you know, God is in everything. And it's so easy to get, especially with fertility, you know, you want to, like, follow the doctor's process, and it's all in your head. You know, what can I do? What can I do? What's next? What's next? But you, the main thing, if we can give away anything, sorry, I'm nervous, <laughs> is that stop and just, okay, God, I'm doing what I can, but I know most of this is what you can do. Um, and keep reminding yourself that. Like, just relax. And um, if I go in, I think today I'm going to go into more of, like, the statistics and um, symptoms, um, more medical-based. But I love Andrea has always brought um, the more natural, holistic um, approach to it. So if I go too much into the medical side, Andrea and Crystal will be here to balance that out with um, just the natural path that we can do preventively and um, going through the process. So, hey, Nikki, how many kids do you have? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have two little girls, uh, four and five. Um, took us about eight years. Um, was ready to use an egg donor and... Um, by the grace of God, got one healthy embryo, and she stuck, in, <laughs> thank God. And then when she was eight months old, got pregnant naturally with half a functioning ovary. So, By the way, just um, before you go on, Krista, these women have gone through infertility. They have an amazing story, but they all got pregnant naturally after going through fertility treatments. So I, I, that is just amazing in itself. So... Krista, how many kids do you have? Um, hi, I'm Krista. I sit at the purpose table. Um, I always forget the name of my table, too. Sorry. Um, I have two kids. Cash will be three next weekend. Um, and then Carter is 17 months. And then I have another one coming at the end of April. So I'm 15 weeks pregnant now. Um, I am a certified personal trainer and a CrossFit Level 2 trainer I'm a birth fit coach and a postnatal fitness specialist. So I've been working in fitness for about six, seven years. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's just get into it. Okay. So I, this is a really cool question. How important is it for women to prepare their bodies for pregnancy? And Andrea, I know you like natural remedies. So what natural remedies would you recommend for preparing our bodies? So, really, diet is essential, knowing what you're eating, um, looking for the cleanest foods possible. 
I don't tell people to follow a specific diet. I say eat the type of food that works for your body and makes you feel good because you know your body and you could use 15 different things from all different diets. So eat what makes you feel good, what gives you energy. Um, we do a lot of fruits and vegetables. We do try to keep them organic. Um, but even organic food can be next to a farm that has pesticides being sprayed on them. So just being mindful about where you're getting your produce. Alkaline water is a big thing that we um, drink in our house. It's great for your body. Um, and there are companies where you can just get it installed into your house. And then um, making sure you're getting the right amount of supplements. So vitamin D, we live in California. We use a lot of sunscreen, which has toxic ingredients in it, but we don't want to get burnt. So using a cleaner version of sunscreen, um, getting your vitamin D, because most of us are deficient in vitamin D. And for vitamin D, I always recommend taking it with food because it's fat soluble. So when you eat, it helps your body hold on to that vitamin and you get to utilize it more. Um, and I have great resources on supplements. So if anyone needs supplement advice or info, you can reach out to me. Prenatal vitamins, um, protein, you know, just eat clean and listen to your body. And then um, for natural remedies, we use essential oils. We use a lot of natural herbs, adaptogens. I know some of these are probably foreign words. So if anyone has questions, you can always reach out to me. But adaptogens just help balance your body where it's missing support and help level everything out. Um, yeah, and clean items in the house. We really watch what chemicals are in our soaps or just little things you don't think of, like our pots and pans. So more research is coming out. We, we use things because that's what we've always done. And then 15 years later, when we have problems, we realize that, oh, no, maybe we shouldn't be using Teflon pans because that adds up into heavy metal in our bodies. So just little things that you can tweak. Thank you. And I just want to let you guys know the flow of the way the panel is going to work. They're going to, we're going to ask them some questions. And then towards the end, you guys, if you have a question, you can jot it down. And then you'll have that opportunity to ask them as well. Um, okay, so Krista, I know that you have, um, your journey specifically has a lot to do with like food and, you know, prepping your body for pregnancy in that way. So can you expand a little bit more on, you know, what your journey was like for that and, and how you were able to to get your body to like a healthy totally. point. Um, yeah, so as far as nutrition for preconception goes, just like Andrea was saying, um, whole nutrient dense foods, do the best you can, okay? No one's expecting you to be perfect, but definitely try to get um, the majority of your nutrients from whole nutrient dense foods. Um, taking your prenatal vitamin even before you start. Um, thinking about getting pregnant is a really good way to go. Um, you want a lot of vitamin B12. You can find that in like a lot of fish, meat, poultry, eggs, um, choline and eggs. You need salt to balance out all that extra water that you're going to be carrying around, all that extra fluid. Your protein needs are a lot higher in pregnancy. So just really being aware of making sure you're having like a good quality lean protein at each of your meals is really important. Um, fish oil is really good for like a baby's brain development. So making sure you're getting um, wild caught good quality fish. You can take like a fish oil supplement. There's a lot of really good ones out there. Um, we don't necessarily need half of our diet to be <laughs> carbohydrates um, like a lot of places suggest, but we, we do need a lot more like good quality protein and fat to support a healthy pregnancy. And then when you think about carbohydrates, um, it's not just like 
bagels and donuts. Carbohydrates are also fruits and vegetables. So we just want really good quality there. Um, a big thing is that we need to eat enough. Okay, so our body needs to feel safe to get pregnant. Um, we need to make sure we're eating enough. A lot of women are kind of constantly restricting, constantly dieting, always trying to, you know, drop that extra five pounds or whatever the case may be. That can make it kind of tough to get pregnant. Your body doesn't feel safe. Um, can make it tough for women to ovulate. That was my specific issue for a very long time was that, you know, I wanted to look hot. So <laughs> I, I worked out. I really watched what I ate. I was very into fitness and nutrition, which is a wonderful thing. You know, it's, it's healthy. It's what I should be doing. Um, but to the point where my energy balance was totally out of whack. So I was just burning way more than I was taking in. And I wasn't aware uh, when I decided to have a child that I needed, you really need to be in a nutrient surplus to get pregnant. Um, you can't be in a deficit. So for me, I was in a total deficit and my body was like, whoa, fight or flight mode. I'm not gonna ovulate because you're not feeding me enough. Like you're expending way too much energy and not eating enough. Um, so I actually didn't even ovulate for, it was almost 10 years, which is crazy because we need to ovulate to produce these natural hormones. Um, anyway, it leads to a lot of difficult things if you aren't producing like natural progesterone and estrogen there's just no way to like replace those natural hormones so um, for me you know it, I had to go through nine rounds of injectable medication to get pregnant um, and even then I, I lost that pregnancy I had to go through an IUI and then eventually IVF to actually have a child um, and then after that I had to, I just kind of like wanted to get to the root of my problem like why are all these doctors telling me that I'm hypothalamic you know um, that like my pituitary gland isn't isn't sending these messages to my reproductive organs that I need to produce these hormones so I can ovulate and get pregnant and it was because my body didn't feel safe so I went on this crazy journey which I've told a few of you guys about um, it had to do with really learning how to rest and how to feed myself well um, and basically tell my body that it's safe. Have a little body fat. You probably will need a, you know, it depends. It's very, it's very different person to person. There are a lot of people who do need to, you know, really focus on their diet and exercise more to get pregnant, just depending on, you know, your personal body. But there are a lot of women out there, um, especially this day and age, who need to, um, you know, just scale things back a little bit. Make sure you're feeding yourself enough. Make sure you're resting enough. Make sure you're uh, checking out all those stressors in your life. And taking a look at those things, getting off your plate what you can, especially if you're struggling with fertility. Those are just things to think about. We got to eat enough. We have to, you know, feed ourselves enough um, nutrient-dense food and give ourselves enough rest and tell our body it's safe. So, okay. So, Chris, I'm going to stick with you. So, um, so we talked a little bit about food. What about exercise? How important is exercise before, during, and after pregnancy? So important. Um, to me, all exercise is good exercise, and whatever you guys enjoy is what you're going to continue to do, so I want you to do that. So I'll never tell you, you specifically need to do this, but if I had to pick anything for you that I thought was most important, it would be strength training, okay? Um, I wouldn't... As far as like whatever you guys love to do, maybe if you're preparing for a pregnancy, like training for an ultra marathon <laughs> might not be the best thing to do. Um, you know, maybe like MMA, <laughs> probably also not the best thing to do. Um, but I do think that strength training is totally crucial just for like literally every single, you know, musculoskeletal function of your body. It's so important. Um, it's going to help keep your bones strong. Thinking about, like, if you have a strong core, you're protecting your spine, 
right? Um, when you have the weight of this giant pregnancy, you've got to have a strong core to prevent back problems, to prevent hip problems. Um, when you think about like strength training as far as like doing a squat, that's just like a basic everyday function. That's sitting down in a chair and standing back up. You want to be strong enough to do those things. Um, a deadlift, that's like picking something up safely off the ground. We do those things in everyday life all the time. Doing a, you know, a strict shoulder press, that's like taking something heavy and putting it up at the top of a, a closet. Those things are really important for our everyday life, so I do feel like strength training um, is really crucial, something that you should do you know, before pregnancy, during pregnancy, after pregnancy. It doesn't have to be often. It can be two days a week. That's totally fine. Strength training is body weight movement. It's also dumbbells, kettlebells. I'm not telling you you have to go like in the gym and squat 100 pounds. It's totally fine. Um, resistance bands, those types of things, those are all considered strength training, and I think that's a huge part of just keeping yourself overall healthy and something that we all need to do. Um, and I know that you moms who carry car seats and babies and groceries and all the things all the time, when I'm sprinting around the park chasing after one kid carrying the other, I could like not be more thankful that I work out. <laughs> so I'm sure you guys are on the same page. Um, but that's just something I think that everyone should definitely try to incorporate into their routine as much as they can. Thank you. Um, so we mentioned briefly that you guys all went through infertility and then you guys got pregnant naturally. So Nikki, I want to ask you, um, so you were able to conceive naturally um, and after undergoing fertility treatments, what do you attribute that to? And I love that you shared that scripture because Jeremiah 29 11 comes to, me, to mind for me about he has plans uh, for us to prosper. So I love that you said prayer is really important. So can you please share your experience with getting pregnant naturally after going through your fertility journey? And maybe share a little bit about your fertility journey with us as well. Um, so when I, <laughs> how do I say it? So I was working at a job, um, like I said, neuron trauma, was praying about getting a job closer to home. I was gone like 15, 17 hours a day because it was a fire hospital. Um, got recruited to a new surgery center and it was a surgery center for fertility. And I was literally on my recovery bed from having a robotic surgery for endometriosis thinking, oh, I'm good now. I just had surgery. I'm not gonna have any problem with um, getting pregnant. Um, and that's one thing that's such a misconception, I think, in general, if you, you know, are feeling in your heart that there's any type of um, problem, the general practitioners and um, OBs, they downplay a lot. And even me, who <laughs> didn't even realize I had lost pretty much both ovaries during the surgery, I was told, you're good, you know, we're, we got all the endo, you're going to be fine. So um, I went through my journey. I learned all about infertility. Um, I went through, you know, luckily I had a doctor at that center, which I could have never even sought that out. I, you know, I knew that was God. Like, he put me there. I, I was put with a very uh, aggressive surgeon that um, respected me clinically, but then also took me in. And he, I told him what had just happened to me. He was like, oh, well, we need to test you. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I'm fine, you know. So um, luckily, he was very aggressive. We found out my chances to get pregnant naturally were just so slim. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. Um, so we basically went at it. Um, three rounds of IVF, um, not looking like I, like I said, was gonna be able to get any healthy eggs. So my sister was ready to donate. Um, then I got pregnant naturally, I got one embryo, which is evidence, it only takes one healthy embryo. <laughs> um, but um, when I got pregnant naturally, I, I remember I kept waking up in the middle of the night sick. And I'm like, this is weird. I, I had never had morning sickness with my first. And I was just like, there's no way. There's no way this can be morning sickness. Well, sure enough, it was like 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> it drove me nuts. So I went in. It was pitch dark. Did my little pee stick. And I was like, no way. So I ran out, you know, obviously to my husband. We both cried. Um, but at that moment, I just knew, I was like, there is no reason, medically speaking, that I should be pregnant. Um, and obviously, for me, I feel like it was God. It is my testimony. Um, along the way of that, my first pregnancy, there was a point that I almost lost her. At 24 weeks, I ruptured um, my fluid and... I was told I was going to deliver either two days, between two days and two weeks. And so at that moment, I was like, oh, my gosh, we just went through all of this. You know, we fought, we fought, we fought, and medically, and there's nothing else I could do. And so I was laying by myself in the hospital, and this ultrasound tech went to get the on-call doctor. And I knew at that moment, I was like, I visually, like, pictured myself. I'm like, okay, God, she's yours. Like, I've done it all. There's nothing I can do. I can let it break me and die because that's all I ever wanted was to be a mom. And so at that moment, I said, she's yours. So in my, I don't know, it's just I've never had that much of a, you know, miracle. So to get a natural pregnancy um, was God. And, and I know that, you know, your body can you know, it has memory cells. You know, my uterus maybe was more receptive and my hormones, you know, balanced. You know, that's a huge, huge issue with, I think, now more than ever, you know, the hormone balance. And, you know, Krista and Andrea, that's where their expertise is, is, you know, not a lot of doctors like to balance hormones naturally. It's wait till there's a problem and then fix it. So... Um, I think once your body does recognize pregnancy, um, I think that does attribute a lot to it. But for the fact that I barely had any, like, functioning ovary, um, instead of much less two, I just, <coughs> tiny little ovary, um, it was just like, wow, God, you're amazing. So. <laughs> Thank you. That's such, such a beautiful story. Andrea, will you also share your uh, fertility journey and what you attribute to conceiving naturally as well? So similar to Nikki, I knew from a pretty young age that I would probably um, have some challenges getting pregnant. I had endometriosis and I had a tumor on my ovary when I was younger that had been removed. And so they told me when I was 18, you know, you might want to consider saving eggs or just when you get married, start having babies right away because you might not have them. 
And um, I wanted to be a mom more than anything in the world. It's like I was born and that's what I wanted was to be a mom and to be a great one. And so when I got married, we um, tried to get pregnant. We saw doctors. I'd had a few more surgeries just to get rid of endometriosis and to get my body strong and healthy. Um, but I worked as a pediatric oncology nurse. So I was around a lot of toxic chemicals all day. And so we started doing fertility treatments, um, IVF, and I'd had two miscarriages. And at that point, my doctor said, you know, you're spending all this money to get pregnant, but you're hanging medication that kills cells and babies are cells. Like, you're a nurse here. Are you going to be smart or are you going to just keep working in a job where you could kill babies all day? And I was like, okay, well, well since you put it that way, thanks. Like, okay. So I said, well, what am I going to do? Because if I can't have kids, like, I love my job and I don't want to leave my work. And he said, well, come work for me. And so I jokingly said, well, can I wear pants if I work for you? Because I was on an exam table when he offered me the job. <laughs> and so he said, yeah, sure, you'll fit right in. You can wear pants. So um, he took me under his wing um, as a nurse, and he taught me so much. I became one of his right-hand girls um, and learned his art of helping women get pregnant and stay pregnant. And on that journey... Similar to Nikki, he just grew to respect me a lot and to kind of take me under his wing, and he loved me, and he wanted to see me have the family that I'd worked so hard for. And so we did another round of IVF and uh, got some good embryos, um, and we transferred two of them, and we got pregnant with our twins, Grace and Wyatt, and our pregnancy was awesome. I was working every day and kind of joked that I was just going to walk over to the hospital to deliver and then come back to work because I loved my patients and loved helping people get pregnant so much. Um, and during that time, I got put in the hospital and then had my twins, and then they died five days later. And so my life shifted. I stepped away from the fertility world for a while because it was too hard for me to see babies and to be with babies. And I really worked on healing me because I knew I needed to heal myself in order to be a mom and a wife and also to be a nurse to help others one day. Um, and it was really hard on my relationship. My husband and I really grew apart. Loss was very heavy for both of us and we both grieved differently. Infertility is very um, challenging for, for couples. Uh, communicating, expectations, self-blame. Sometimes we blame ourselves that our bodies aren't working. Um, and then husbands feel bad because they don't know how to fix us, and that's their job. You know, they're the fixer. So if they can't fix us, then they've let us down, and everyone's disappointed, so it's not a great thing. Um, and so I just kept working on myself. I went on to have um, IVF two more times, and I had two babies, Michaela and Ethan, who did wonderfully. I was in the hospital for a really long time with them, but they survived, and they're amazing. And then I just kept working on myself, on eating clean, <coughs> Um, and exercising and just being the happiest person that I could be. I did daily affirmations, a lot of prayers, um, and then I got divorced, and then I met my now husband, and I told him right away, I can't have kids. This is, you know, this is what it is. This is our life, and he was very okay with it. He just said, you know, he felt like God had blessed him with my children, and he was here to support me on that journey, and so... Um, a few months later, I found out that I was pregnant, and similar to Nikki, I was like, there's no way. I had multiple doctors tell me it wasn't possible. My tubes were completely blocked. 
Um, my uterus wasn't really a uterus. I had like a bionic uterus to carry children. So it wasn't even like a real uterus that could carry children. So I was like, there's no way. We went to the doctors and we found out not only was I pregnant naturally, but I was pregnant with twins naturally. And so um, it was just wild. It was a wild journey and uh, it was God, you know, like God and just, I think, you know, being in a positive base myself, you know, just, we had no intention of getting pregnant. And so it was just making sure that I was happy and I was content and what did my life look like and just finding joy everywhere, I think really helped me feel safe, like Krista said, for my body to be like, woo, let's ovulate and have some babies. <laughs> and so we did. So thank you for sharing that, Andrea, by the way. Um, so I just want to, a lot of people are like, what is the fertility process, right? So let's just, let's give them the basics. So can you please, I know all of us are moms, but there is infertility and then there's secondary infertility. Can you explain what each of that is? Sure. So infertility is the inability, inability to get pregnant or stay pregnant. Um, it's it's pretty common nowadays. I don't know if it's becoming more common because of just lifestyle or if it's just we have more knowledge on it now and so we're able to spot it easier. But about 10 to 15% of people will have infertility struggles. Um, and it could be related to our hormones. It could be blocked tubes. It can be um, our uterus having a problem or having two uterus or cervix issues. Um, and it can also be men. So it can be sperm quality or quantity. Um, so much goes into infertility. And so that's basic infertility. And then secondary infertility is the inability to get pregnant after you've already had a successful pregnancy. And that is actually a little bit more common than infertility. And that can be caused by scar tissue um, from a prior pregnancy, also hormone imbalance, you know, if we're not getting enough calories, nutrition, hormones are wacky, our cortisol levels are probably changing because we're chasing around kids, our sleep is deprived. So a lot can go into secondary infertility as well as age, um, just diet, lifestyle things. Thank you. Uh, Nikki, can you give us um, an idea of when you should go to a specialist and like what that process looks like for when you're having infertility? Sure. Um, so in the past, we've always thought that up until age 35, you know, we're going to get married at 25. We're going to start trying at 28, maybe at 30, um, but we're fine until we're 35. Um, I would suggest... Um, even if it's just for peace of mind or if you have, you know, someone in your family who struggles from infertility, um, get tested early and encourage women to get tested early. They're, it's a very easy process. Um, I would say even at 25, if you have, you know, like I said, if you have any worries that you may struggle, get tested at 25 or earlier. Um, if you're married and you've been trying more than a year, definitely get tested. And I'm going to go over just some basic initial testing um, that even your general doctor can order. Um, but, you know, if we wait till we're 30 
and then we find out, you know, it's like you're, you know, chasing it. And so there's a lot of knowledge that you can get preventively. Um, so we look at three initial factors um, your, for women, ovarian function, the uterine lining, um, and look for any possible pathology like endometriosis, um, PCOS, fibroids, um, and then the third factor is male factor. So luckily for men, um, even though it is hard for them to just make that initial appointment, um, it's pretty quick and easy to determine if they <laughs> are going to be the challenge. But there's basically sperm count and motility. Um, but so your general doctor can order these tests or you can go have an initial consultation with a fertility specialist. My recommendation is, you know, if you're young, under like 20, you know, between the, under 28, let's say, um, just have your doctor run the tests. It's on day three of your cycle. It's a, um, a there's three blood tests and you can do an ultrasound um, to count your resting follicles. So I don't know if anyone wants me to like break that down. It's, it's well, and then I thought I could give you these numbers. So just to have as like in your newsletter. Um, so there's FSH, follicle stimulating hormone. There's estradiol and a hormone called AMH. So this is basically telling the doctor what is your ovarian reserve? How are your ovaries looking right now? It's obviously not going to diagnose anything. It's just going to paint the picture. What are your, what's your likelihood that you will have a struggle or you know, are you in good shape? So the FSH, we want less than 10. Um, the estradiol is basically less than 60. And then AMH, which stands for anti-malarian hormone, we want greater than one. So we're just going to take your blood on day three um, and then also do an ultrasound to count your resting follicle count on each ovary. Um, we want between six and eight resting follicles on each ovary. Um, as you get past like 30, that's going to drop to you know, a lower number. But that's telling us how many, how many eggs can we potentially stimulate um, if we need to, if we need to go down that road. Um, but unfortunately, some women, you know, will only have, you know, two, two follicles. Um, or they'll have too many. They'll have 15 to 20 on each ovary, which then tells us, you know, that you're at high risk for what's called polycystic ovarian syndrome. So there's just... It just gives you a picture of what, what pathway do we need to be looking at. Um, but like I said, it's just, just to know that basic knowledge. Like even if you have, you know, a friend or a daughter that needs to, you know, just kind of know or wants to know preventively, I would highly recommend it. And I would highly, like, suggest, like, in the medical field, you know, it's not really talked about, and like I said, until it's too late. So if we can push these girls, young girls, you know, get tested. You know, if you're having symptoms, if you're having 10-day long periods, if you're, you're dying in pain, and, you know, it's, it's they're telltale signs that unfortunately get overlooked. And, you know, there's things we can do early on before you lose your ovaries, before you're, 
you know, uh, fibroid jeopardizes your entire uterus, you know, so. Yeah, that's so true. I remember, like, being in, you know, high school and stuff, and your friends are all, like, you know, dying over their cramps or something, and you're like, oh, it's normal, everyone just acting like everything's normal, but we're now learning that down the road where there could be potential issues that are going on besides just a normal you know, period. Um, okay, and then Nikki, will you, um, some of us might not know what endometriosis is, and can you explain a little bit about what that is, how it affects fertility, and um, like the symptoms and what to expect with that? Sure. So what it is, um, it's the endometrial lining that is supposed to grow on the inside, um, starts growing on the outside of the uterus. So into... Um, it's a, like if you can imagine like a, like a vine or like a spider web, it's, it's these cells and this lining that grow on the outside and it causes adhesions, which is like scar tissue, to attach to different organs, so, and especially your ovaries. So healthy cells are being taken over by cells that are not supposed to be there. And... Um, it really wreaks havoc on your egg quality because the ovaries are trying to function and it's, you know, they're overproducing a certain hormone or underproducing another. And um, it's really, there's not a whole lot of research. There's more now than 10 years ago. But early on um, detection, you know, if you're 17, 19, 21, you know, having these really heavy periods and so much blood and so much pain and clotting and um, don't let your OB or your general doctor tell you, you know, just take three Advil every three hours, you'll be fine. No, you're jeopardizing your fertility. Um, that's the best way to describe it. Um, you know, just, you know, lots of pain especially like on one side or the other, a pulling sensation. Because if you can imagine, it's just like scar tissue in there, you know, pulling your organs. I mean, it can go all the way up to your diaphragm, like all over, so. Okay, thank you. So I, this is a question probably a lot of people are thinking. Um, if you, you know, if you have a friend who's going through infertility, um, what is something a friend can say to someone who's going through it? Um, you know, like, I know when I was going through it, nobody wanted to talk about it. It was like this taboo thing. Oh, no, I don't want to ask her questions because I don't know if I'm going to ask the right questions. If it's, is she going to be really sensitive about it? Um, should I invite her to my kids' birthday parties? Um, yes, I want to be invited to your kids' birthday parties. I may not have kids, but I want to celebrate you and your kids. Um, and so I know there's a lot of emotional toll that infertility has. Krista, can we start with you? How did you go through your fertility journey? Like, how did you handle that with your spouse? Because I know that it really can be, it can test your relationship. Um, and then second part of that question is, if you could give advice to a friend who, who, has, who knows someone who's going through it, what advice, going, having gone through it, would you give? Oh, man, I'll start there. Well, I can tell you what not to say. <laughs> Um, I think people just want to, like, feel heard. Like, at the, what I really hated was when people would come up to me and say, like, well, just stay positive. Or, um, you know, like, after you've gone through fertility treatment and you lose a baby, well, at least you know you can get pregnant or things like that. Or the, my favorite was the, well, if you just relax, 
you'll probably get pregnant. Or take vacation, like, right? Yeah, go on a vacation. Um, I think I just wanted people, like I, I always appreciated when somebody asked me how I was doing, how I was feeling. I just wanted to feel like I was supported, but I didn't want people to try to push me to like stay positive. I wasn't in a great headspace about it. I wish that I could go back and be more positive and, and do, do a better job at like being supportive of the people around me who were having successful pregnancies. Um, I kind of had to avoid a lot of situations because it just hurt me and I didn't know how to be really positive about it. Um, I see a lot of people who are and it's wonderful. They can see a pregnant woman and even though they're hurting and dying inside, they're like, oh, I'm so happy for you. And, and you can tell they're so genuinely happy. Um, but I wasn't that great at it. And I wish that I, that wasn't the case, but I was just so hurt. I didn't understand. Like, why is this happening to me? Um, you know, it, I don't know. I guess I felt a little bit of the why me going on. And it was frustrating, and I felt like um, I had so many friends and so many, um, you know, family members who were getting pregnant so easily and going through these healthy pregnancies. And I was, like, always forced into these situations and... I mean, I even didn't talk to my best friend for like six months because it was so hard for me because she told me one day um, you know, she was worried that what happened to me would happen to her. So she tried to get pregnant and then got pregnant right away. And it was so, it was so hard for me. Um, so I guess I just wanted people to, like I appreciated it when they asked me how I was feeling um, and I just wanted them to like look at me and be like, yeah, you know, like everything that you're feeling is, is really valid. That's, that's a hard thing you're going through. I didn't want to be told, like, it's okay, it's going to get better, don't worry, there's a baby for you, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, because I didn't know. I'm a very, like, realistic person. Um, I guess I don't err on the more positive side. I like to prepare myself for the worst but hope for the best. So I just like to, like, I really had to wrap my head around the fact, like, this might not be in the cards for me, and it's okay. I just needed, like, somebody to sit with me in my difficult feelings and not pressure me and tell me that it's going to be okay. Just be like, you know what? What you're going through sucks, and I'm so sorry that you have to go through that. Like, I, I'm hurt for you, and that's all I wanted, you know? Um, especially after, like, having a miscarriage. Like, the worst thing in the world is, you know, when people are like, at least you know you can get pregnant, and, you know, you're like, this is, this is awful. Just sit here and tell me, like, what you're going through sucks, and I hate it for you, and then just let me cry. <laughs> and as far as, like... Um, a marriage goes. I mean, I, I really feel like an infertility struggle, especially like we went through it for four years. You know, it was nine rounds of injectable medication just to get my body to produce eggs and to ovulate. And then a letdown every single time we went in to go do a pregnancy test. And then when we did get pregnant, finally through an IUI, we lost that baby. And it was like, oh my gosh, how could I just have been given the one thing I wanted and worked so hard for? And then it was just taken away from me. And it was hard. And I felt like, I felt like it really could have it can make or break you as a couple. I mean, you can really grow apart. Um, I think we grew together, and I feel fortunate. I don't feel like that's always the case because, um, you know, whether it's your husband or it's you, one of you feels, like, inadequate. You feel like, oh, my God, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be able to do naturally. I can't give you a child. What if he's going to leave me because I can't give him a child? And there's somebody else out there who's more attractive and fertile who's going to be able to, like, you know, have a baby. And he's just going to look at me like, well, why am I even with her? So um, I think that, I mean, being really, like, upfront and honest about your feelings. And Justin was so wonderful and supportive and, like, made sure to tell me, like, whether or not that happens, I still love you. I'm with you for you, not, you know, whether or not you can give me a child. Um, 
but it's a it's a tough one. It's definitely like some people have to go through like talking to counselors about it, which I think is wonderful and it's a great thing to do, but just keeping those like lines of communication open and being honest about how you're feeling and just trying to like understand where the other person is coming from too, you know? It's a tough one. Thank you. Can I add to that? Yeah, please. Um, I don't know if that's on. Uh, you know, so many times we try to take on everything we can possibly handle without burning, burning our spouse. And um, with fertility, if we can just paint that picture right up front, like, look, this is not easy. You know, I, I was telling Andrea, it's almost like you need to look at it like we're going to start like this new immediate like small business I can't do it by myself I need you like it's not going to be fun it's going to it's going to get ugly you know um but women and I was one of them it's like oh I'll just go to my appointments by myself I don't need to tell them unless you know something major it's a disservice because you really need to have that uh, communication have him there with you hearing the doctors what they're saying because they don't always listen to us but <laughs> they hear it from them and just have him on that journey with you because there's so many unexpected, you know, joys and downfalls that, you know, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get knocked down and you're just going to be like, oh, my gosh, how do I explain this to him? You know, I, but then if he's there with you um, and, you know, it's like, oh, it takes the romance out of it. Yeah, but you know what? This is our goal. This is what we need to do, and I need you there with me. I need that partner, and it'll build you closer. But. Thank you. Okay, so we want to make sure you guys have enough time to ask any questions and get them answered. So we're going to open up the floor. Is there anyone that has a question now? Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, there's really no way to 100% know if you have it until you do a laparoscopy, going through the tummy um, and seeing with the camera the outside of the uterus. Um, they can do hysteroscopies where they go, you know, and look at the inside of um, the vagina and the uterus. But like I said, it grows on the outside. So um, if you're not getting answers and they're, they think you have it, that's the main thing is like they think you have it. Um, go to a fertility specialist that um, specializes in surgery and oncology and, and uh, endometriosis because there's really no way to diagnose it. Like you said, until you go in, they, I'm assuming they went in laparoscopically and to remove your cyst. No, no. I mean, I, until I get my uterus out, I'm on continuous birth control. I will not, I can't let myself bleed. Um, if you, but there's also challenges with that as well. I don't like, um, you know, long-term birth control. Even if you're diagnosed at a young age, you know, you don't want to be on continuous birth control. Continuous meaning like you don't let yourself bleed. But until, there's not really any like um, cure. It doesn't go away. Um, it's oftentimes hereditary. Um, you just have to kind of keep it at bay. Now, your fibroid in your abdomen, it could, be, it could stem from that. And 100% the cyst 
definitely was caused by it. Quick question. With Did the, that answer oh, your question? I'm sorry. There's not really a cure. <laughs> you can kind of keep it at bay. There sorry. are some natural things that I've done personally for it. Um, because birth control never worked for me, I still grew cysts and tumors, and mine spread. So mine went through my intestines, it went through my colon, and it was everywhere, and it caused pain all the time. Um, and so really diet changing, low inflammation food is what's so beneficial to your body because endometriosis is an inflammation and that's what's causing a lot of the pain. So reducing inflammation and then there are natural um, like hormones that you can be on, not bioidentical because those are synthetic. They're not identical to your body. So like adaptogenic hormones that you can take to kind of balance everything out um, to help your body. And if you're interested, I can help you with that. So you can reach out to me. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to sneak in a question. Just because when you said um, it's hereditary, my mom had a hysterectomy from endometriosis. So someone like me, which I, I'm not aware of any issues that I personally have, but is there like preventative things or things I should do, you know, like let my OB know or actually be looking for anything? Yeah, definitely, definitely let your OB know that it is in your family. And, um, you know, test your hormone levels and make sure you're ovulating. Um, that you're not just bleeding at, for extended periods of time or not bleeding enough. Um, just kind of keep it, get an idea of how does your uh, fertility look like? You know, is it healthy? Are there um, uh, warning signs? You know, um, do your ovulation kits, even if you're not married, like you want to know, am I actually ovulating? You know, because a lot of us don't and we don't know that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> So really with perimenopause, it can happen to anyone. Um, when I worked in the fertility office, I had clients who would come in, young girls in college, who wanted to donate eggs to make money. And so they would come in and we would run their labs and find out that they didn't have any eggs to donate. So it's not just an age thing. It can happen at any time. And like you mentioned, it can be genetic related. So there are some tests that can be run um, Basically, doing your day three blood work is a huge key. So we're like detectives. We chip away at the big piece of the puzzle until we can solve the whole picture. And women who are perimenopausal or don't have very many eggs or follicles to grow into babies, we're learning more and more that some of that can be reversed depending on um, the situation, genetics, um, finding the cause and removing the root, and then just re-educating your body and your hormones on how to work because your body knows how to do its job. We just need to remind it because we've gotten, our bodies have gotten lazy. We numb them down. Um, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, yeast. Yeast is a good example. So we all eat a lot of sugar, especially this time of year, right? So our stomachs fill up with sugar and yeast grows in our intestines. So if that yeast takes control, it is really bad for our hormones. It mimics estrogen. So if your body has yeast in it, it thinks, oh, I have a lot of estrogen. Your body's gonna make less estrogen, which is then gonna make your progesterone weird. You probably won't get a period, or if you do, it's gonna be a wonky one. You might not ovulate, and then everything else gets wacky. So once we cure the yeast problem, which is super easy, your hormones will naturally fix themselves. And so, it, I mean, 
every case is so individual, but we have had success with women in menopause who we, we called them our Hail Mary people, but we, we were like, no, let's do it, you know, like let's just try, and we have made babies with those women. And even after you have babies, um, if your hormones are not balanced, um, find that specialist that, that really does care and will look at you individually and get those balanced, not just throw, you know, we'll try this, well, here's some estrogen, here's some product, like actually look at them because, you know, our bodies, if, even if we're fine before pregnancy, after that, it's like, listen to your body. You know when something's off and find the right person who cares. <laughs> I, I do have a question, like follow up to that. Um, I was blown away when like I was going through my fertility journey and they said, you have a finite number of eggs and the egg quality, right? We kept talking about egg quality. You can be young and your egg quality could be, look like someone who's 50 or reverse. You could be older and have somebody, your egg quality can be, you know, really like with someone who's really young. So is there anything we can do to change our egg quality, whether it's through nutrition or exercise or, you know, supplements and any natural stuff we can do? Or is it just what it is? I think egg quality is like very hormonal. Would you guys agree? Because at one point I was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure and they told me that I was going to be in premenopause. And then I, you know, wound up completely turning that around. Um... And for me, it all had to do with balancing out hormones. I don't know if that's the case for, for everyone, but I do feel like it can be very hormonal. It is very hormone-related, um, and quality is something that you can work on today. So if you're like, hey, I want healthy egg quality, or I want my husband to have healthier sperm, you can take CoQ10. Um, you can get it anywhere over the counter. I usually tell people to get a really clean, good quality one. You know, you're putting it into your body, so you don't want it to be from China or have lead in it. Um, so get a clean CoQ10, and I recommend taking 400 to 600 um, a day. And it's just, it helps with your egg quality and quantity, and then it helps the sperm be smarter, regenerate, and work better. Um, there's a couple resources that I want to point out. Have you heard of the It Starts With the Egg book? There's a book called It Starts With the Egg, and it addresses primarily um, egg quality and how to improve egg quality. So that's a really good, that's not something I have read, but I've heard really good things about it. And then if anybody is struggling with like cycle issues in general, like really heavy, really long periods or absent periods or a lack of ovulation or whatever the case is, um, there's a book called The Period Repair Manual. Has anybody heard of it or read it? It's incredible. I'm not kidding. Even if you don't have any issues, read that thing because you need to know. You need to know how your body works. Um, I felt like every time I went into the doctor, and this was like just recently too, um, after I had my second son, my doctor was like, you need to go on birth control. And I was like, no, I don't. And she was, she was like, but you'll, how are you going to know if you're ovulating and, you know, if you don't want to have another child right now? And I was like, well, because I can figure it out. <laughs> like, it's my body. And if I can educate myself and how all of this works, I mean, I can figure these things out. So I think it's really important that we are all educating ourselves and how our cycle works, how this all, how fertility works, because it's really important to our health. Like when you think about your period, it's the fifth vital sign. It's very, very important. So, um, you know, a lot of times when we're on birth control, it's not a real period, so we don't really realize what's going on. But um, it's just a good thing to be aware of how everything works, what exactly is happening with your body. And then you can kind of like get to the bottom of any hormonal problems you're having or just period problems in general. 
I'm like very much into like advocating for yourself and educating yeah. yourself because that's how I, you know, overcame PCOS and hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, no thanks to any of the doctors, unfortunately. Um, but it was just all about like, okay, I got to get to the root of this problem. What is causing this? How can I figure out? Like, you're telling me what's wrong with me, but I want to know why this is happening. And then, you know, yeah. you just advocate for yourself. Key. That's yeah. so key is being knowledgeable and advocating for yourself and knowing that Doctors, we look up to them. We've been taught that they are the know-all be-all, but they not, they're not you. Just like with your kids, you know your child better than the doctor knows your child. You are their advocate and you're your own advocate. Your husband's your advocate, your family, your friends. So choose who you surround yourself with. Your mind is powerful. So what we believe in our head, we usually manifest outwardly. So really change the thought process that you have going into these things. And if your doctor isn't on your team, find a different doctor. Find a support person who will be on your team because finding the root cause is critical to healing your body, and you can definitely do it. Thank you. I love that you pointed out, Krista, that uh, period repair manu manual. And I just want to say again, like, if you're not, if you're done having kids or wherever, whatever stage you are, it is so important to know your body because our horm hormones change every, you know, I forget what the, five or whatever years it is, but I could tell every five years, like, I, my body's doing something different, and it's just so important to know, like, what's normal for your age, and, like, what kind of, you know, things you need to do to supplement and support as we get closer to actual menopause and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is there any other questions? I look amazing, to... first of all. Yeah. And thank you for coming. Yeah, you look awesome. Are you I talking know. about, like, the postpartum period or, like, postpartum depression? Well, one thing you're doing by coming here is, is a huge part. So I struggled with postpartum depression after my second son. Um, and like when I'm preparing for this next child, I'm trying to make sure I have all the support I can possibly find. Because I felt like I tried to get through everything on my own. And I felt like no one was hearing me um, with how I was feeling. So, you know, I've thought about like... I don't have any family here, so I thought, like, should I hire, like, a postpartum doula? Somebody who has to come check on me, like, once a week um, and see how I'm doing. Um, you know, figure out, like, what family I can find that can come and just help me take care of my other two children or cook me food. Or can I get together with my friends? Will they potentially set up a meal train for me? So somebody's dropping into my house, you know, a couple days a week and just saying, hey, how are you doing? Can I help you with something? Um, I felt like I needed to, since I went through it this past time, like maybe find myself like a counselor or somebody who really knows me so that I can just kind of like check in with that person throughout my pregnancy and afterward and go in and, and talk to them and maybe they can be like, hey, you know, I know you really well. We've had a few sessions and it just seems like you might be going through something right now. You want to talk about it. Um, I just feel like I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to, like, give myself the support that I need. I've even thought, like, okay, I'm going to make sure both my kids are in preschool, <laughs> you know? Like, that's, like, an act of self-care to me. Like, how can I lighten my load, um, you know, getting out of the house? Like, how can I make it easier for me to get out of the house like this, come be around other women, um, and just finding every, you know, support avenue that you can. 
good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. To be mindful about it and to ask for help because they can help you. Friends can help you. Sleep is a big one because um, anxiety and depression are both linked to sleep. So your house can be messy. That's what you can ask other people to do. If someone says, what can I do? Our initial instinct is, oh, we're good, or you can drop off a meal. But I'm like, okay, I need, you want to sweep my floors? And I folded all the laundry. If you could just put it in the drawers, that blesses me. And um, the dishes in the sink, those probably will never get done. So if you want to wash those, like, that would be great. And it could be your neighbor. Like, if you have anyone who just wants to come bless you, let them bless you because you're blessing them too. You're giving them an opportunity to serve. And then getting outside, sunshine is so big for me. Um, and then if you do notice that you're starting to have anxiety or more depressive thoughts, talking to someone who can support you, cheer you on, catching it before it gets, you know, really bad. Um, I use a lot of essential oils and natural herbs, things like that to help balance my mood and emotions. Um, and that has helped me a lot. Can you explain a little bit of what those are? Like for everybody? Sure. Um, so I did bring some fertility rollers uh, that are for sale. Uh, but basically, they balance your mood. They help with your hormones, mood swings, hot flashes. So it's great before you're pregnant and then after you deliver. We don't use it during pregnancy. Um, during pregnancy, we can use some other things. Grapefruit essential oil in your water or any citrus lifts your mood up. It's really good for helping bring joy. Um, you can add a drop or two into your water. If you are ingesting essential oils, make sure they're pure therapeutic grade oils, not just ones from sprouts. You can also juice lemons. I do that every morning. I juice my lemon and lime and I drink it in a big glass of water. Um, all citrus is good for mood. And then herbs. I do a lot of herbs, adaptogens, because I have a very stressful life. So I take a lot of adaptogens because Lord knows I need it balanced. Wherever it goes, I'm like, okay, super fighters, go fight crime inside. Um, that way I can exhale. And then I have a therapist that I talk to. And I have friends who, you know, know the ugly side of me. And thank God I am fully known and loved by them and God. You know, and writing in a journal, if I have a really hard or ugly day, I'll write in a journal. And if I'm like, oh, God, I hope no one ever finds this, I will burn it or rip it up and flush it down the toilet. Sometimes eat it if someone knocks on the door and you're like, they can't find this, you know. But that helps me get feelings and thoughts out without hurting anyone's feelings. Thank you. And also, we're going to have, um, you know, you guys can put together some of that information and even like if it's like doctor suggestions or, you know, the oils or whatever it is, whatever resources, we're going to put those together in our newsletter. Also, Rochelle said um, social media wise, she's going to put in the story, our story, like the books that were suggested and things like that. So you guys will have additional resources and they're going to be hanging out afterwards. So you can always come up to them and ask them personal questions as well. Um, we have time for one more question. Does anybody have anything? Oh, I think we're good. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, so much. We really appreciate it.